In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We want to be a part of the show. It's so simple. It's so easy, especially excuse me, when we do our mailbag segment coming up here uh, in the next couple weeks. If you want to get a hold of us, hit us up on social media, on Instagram, or on Twitter at GameDayCLE. Daryl, let, let's talk a little bit about this rivalry be, between the Bengals and the Browns because let's face it, the way the Browns have played against the Bengals, this really is our rival. And these games have been competitive. The Browns had their biggest win of the season. They've been able to beat the Bengals. And while I, I know we always want to say it's Pittsburgh, it's Pittsburgh, it's Pittsburgh, there's enough there to say that I, I think the best rivalry we have right now is Cincinnati because what the Browns have won five straight against them, correct? Is that right? Five? That, that's five. the only reason because they're the team the Browns can beat. They can't beat the Steelers. They can't beat the Ravens, but they can beat the Bengals. So, yeah, so yeah from that standpoint, okay. Um, and there's a lot on the line here, too. Uh, Cincinnati is trying to solidify their standing within the division and overtake the Ravens, which I think ultimately they will do and get themselves back in position to make another run uh, at the Super Bowl. Meanwhile, the Browns, they're trying to get their franchise quarterback on track. They're trying to keep the season on life support and give their fans what they've given fans since 1999. And that is nothing but a bunch of hot air and false hope. And, um, so yeah, I it, it is a rival only because it's like the only two games a year where you're like remotely confident the Browns are going to win. So let, here's the other thing too: Jamar Chase didn't play in that game, and you go back to the Kansas City game, man. I think he is, you know, the play he made in the fourth quarter to stretch out and get the first game first down and make that thing end, and to give Cincinnati the win. Over Kansas City, I thought it was gigantic. And I also think him not playing against the Browns was a gigantic factor in the Browns being able to win. It's is he Joe Burrow's whoopee cushion or whoopee blanket? Not whoopee cushion. That'd be bad, <laughs> wouldn't it? If he sat on him and then everybody started laughing because we thought he passed win. No, whoopee he gives whoopee blanket. Whoopee blanket. So um, you know, so I I, I just, I'm, I'm concerned about Chase. Questions are we going to have after the podcast? What was this? And the post game podcast? How many Jamar Chase steps on the gas? Or... Oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Man, he was faster than the wind. He was breaking Joe through Burrow, the wind. Joe Burrow throwing heaters to Jamar Chase. No beans about it. He had the fuel to get down that field. Got a little extra boost there, a little extra rocket fuel. <laughs> Man, he just wants to hit the bubble bath, the hot tub after the game. Hit the nitro boosters. <laughs> All right, that one's on me. Listen, how much of a difference is he going to make in this game? Because, that, yeah, I mean, he, I thought he was huge, and I do think that's Joe Burrow's go-to guy. I think we all know that. He really is. And what's – the Bengals are not shy about tra talking trash because they – Let's be honest about it. They put up, right? They back it up. The Browns won't say a word about anybody. Like, I mean this with love, but this is the most boring locker room I have covered in years. Why? Why is, it, why is this locker room so bad? Because of the head coach? No. Boring does not mean bad. 
Okay. Okay. They're, 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 it's just it's it's a boring group, in the sense that nobody says anything. Nobody nobody wants to make a headline. Nobody wants to provide any type of bulletin board material. The closest we got on on uh, Wednesday was John Johnson admitting that they're walking around the building joking about what Jamar Chase said on that podcast about them not being elite in the secondary other than, you know, Denzel Ward. Like, that's as close as they get. Um, that could be the best rip, though, to get this team motivated for this week. They should be motivated by paycheck alone, yeah. but, but like, I think it's a big deal for this week. Yeah, I mean, the biggest personalities, I would say, would be on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Nick Chubb never says a word. Amari Cooper is the same exact way. They they do their talking with their play. So when I say it's a boring team, that doesn't mean that I'm like ripping on them or I'm saying it's a bad locker room. They're all great guys to talk to. They just they don't say a lot. Um, which, <clears throat> as somebody who admits that he makes his living off uh, quotes and headlines, it makes things challenging sometimes. Um, and they're but they're here's the thing too they're incredibly smart they know when we're fishing and they just throw it right back at us they're like nope ain't getting me today pal take it back um so while the bengals aren't afraid to say whatever's on their mind and trash talk the browns don't do trash talk through the media now have heard from various members of the brown secondary that the bengals are very chatty and they've admitted they themselves can be very chatty when they're on the field. And as Denzel Ward said, they haven't said a lot. I'm paraphrasing here, but they don't tend to talk too much during our games because we usually have the upper hand. So there's no reason for them to talk. And again, that's as close to anything trash talky as the, as the Browns would get. You know, they acknowledge Joe Burrows among the NFL elite quarterbacks. He's tough to shut down. Jamar Chase, my God, he, he, he scares you when you watch him on film because he can take a five-yard slant, 66 yards to the house, and like really make you look stupid while doing so because um, he has that kind of talent. Uh, Burrow can arrow it, air it out. I really don't even think that there's a lead that's safe because Cincinnati's offense is so prolific. Um, you know, But th these two teams, have, remember the shootout game between Burrow and Baker? How much fun that was uh, that the you know, Browns won that one in the in the final minute. Uh, but yeah, they've played some some pretty entertaining football between these two teams, and hopefully Sunday's game doesn't disappoint and it is uh, is entertaining. But there is, it's just yeah, it's it's not a locker room that's going to give you a lot in the in the way of like uh, a, a good headline or a, a, a great quote because they do not want to ruffle any feathers. And I think the other part of it too, is they realize they're five and seven, like they probably shouldn't be doing a lot of talking. So, but that locker room definitely takes after their head coach. There is no question about it that Kevin Stefanski's persona of focused on the moment one day at a time, you know, things like that, like that locker room is very reflective of Kevin Stefanski. So when people say like, they don't respond to Kevin Stefanski, like, no, they do because <laughs> they, they, they sound like Kevin Stefanski every single day when we talk to them. Daryl, what's the biggest thing, biggest thing we learned about Deshaun Watson in the first game? I don't think we learned anything about Deshaun really? Watson in that first game. Hmm. I, I, I mean, 
he was terrible. Like there, I, I don't that he's rusty. I would say that's what we learned. He's rusty, and he it may take him a while to get back, if at all. Um, and I don't even want to think about the latter. I don't even want to think. Yeah, about the that. if at all, I don't like hearing that. I'll be the, the investment there is like wow, we can't. We can't oh, I don't, I'm not ready to go there yet. And again, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that because I think that that's what's going to happen, or I'm rooting for that to happen. I'm just kind of keeping it real. Like it, it's right. not guaranteed, right? I, it's no. not guaranteed that he's gonna just magically return to this All Pro Pro Bowl form. Um, that's that's the reality. Hopefully he does, and hopefully it's this week against Cincinnati. But I, I, look, I'm not I'm not confident in him right now, in the sense that I just I don't expect that he's gonna win a shootout with Joe Burrow right now. Next year, yeah, absolutely. Next year, totally expect him to win a shootout with Joe Burrow next year, because I think that's a fair expectation. Like, sure. I just I'm tempering my expectations right now because. I realize what they're paying him. I realize what they gave up to get him, but I'm trying to be fair to the guy and, and understand where, what he's coming off of, right. That, that time off in that. So he almost equated to like, he's coming off an injury. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. Here's my last point though, too, just going into this week's game that, we have seen the defense emerge over the last two games. Now, I granted, last game was Houston, so I don't know how much I'm taking consideration. But you know, we've we've seen the special teams sort of percolate a little bit, and having Donovan Peoples Jones run back kicks has made a big difference. Uh, he is averaging, I believe, it's fourteen point eight per return. Let me look here. Helps if I look at the right set of stats. I'm right, fourteen point eight per return. Uh, he's only had 13 of them, too, and a, a touchdown. Demetric uh, Felton was averaging a whopping six yards of return, and uh, Rodgers was averaging four and a half per punt return. Yeah, he has injected some much-needed life into the uh, the punt return game. Jerome Ford has really injected some life into the kickoff return game. So, so it's funny. I asked Kevin Stefanski on Monday – if he feels any like sense of validation, because we're all like fire Mike Prefer and he's got to go. This you know special teams is terrible. They can't get a return to save their life. Now they're starting to get some returns. So I asked Kevin Stefanski if he feels some validation for being very patient and you know that patience paying off. And he's like, no, I'm not looking for your validation. How about just I, like I wish he would just pat his guys on the back every once in a while, right? How hard would that be? Just say, yeah. Or just say, yeah, you're the idiot that wanted me to fire Mike Prefer. Look what we're doing now, you dumbass. Yeah, like- but it's not even that. Like, I listen to Kevin, and I want Kevin just to once say, you know what? Nick Chubb is the best running back in the NFL. And that guy, man, he, he is just such a pro's pro. And, he you know, he hands the ball back to the referee. He just wants to win. He makes smart plays. It's It's really a pleasure to watch him play. Why is it so hard for him to just give guys a little bit of credit? And I don't know. Maybe he does behind closed doors and says. He he does. He gives him credit. He just, the way in which he gives him credit, there's not a lot of meat to it. To your point. Is Nick Chubb, like, is Nick Chubb the best running back in the NFL? Yeah. Yeah. You do that so well. Oh, that's because Menigan does it every day. You know, <laughs> we're proud of all of our running backs in the running back room. 
they do such a great job. Um, you know, and so I can't really single out one guy. You know, I, I mean, it just drives me nuts. Look, I'm not asking him to criticize. And I'm not asking him to criticize. I'm asking him to praise. So it's not even that. It's to validate, I think, what the fans see in his team. Because at the end of the day, they're still selling tickets. That's how they all get paid. I just want to – it drives you nuts. Try being me. Try being us in the room. <laughs> I mean, just give your guys a – yeah, you know, Cade York, he's a rookie. He that game winner. And we just beat Carolina. I will say this. I'm starting to understand what it was like to cover Bill Belichick with the Browns. The thing about Bill, though, is every once in a while, Bill would give you something. And you'd be like, holy, was that Bill? (laughs) I'm telling you, I did a sit-down with him after he had uh, gone to New England. I think that was our first couple years that they were playing in the Hall of Fame game. And one-on-one, like maybe one of my favorite interviews of all time, gave us all kinds of information, talked about what happened in Cleveland, talked about everything that had gone down and, you know, how he was there and 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 all that stuff and what Cleveland kind of meant to him and playing here and having the opportunity to do all it. And it was just, it was, it was totally different. And then, you know, along the way, you're Greg Popovich, you're Bill Belichick, you keep winning. It doesn't matter what you say in these press conferences. You keep letting fans print T-shirts that say world champions on them. They don't give a you-know-what about what you say. All right, here's one for you. Okay. Does Bill Belichick win another Super Bowl with the Patriots? I Man, I think if he if he's around for two or three more years, yes, I think he has a chance to win another one. He'll figure it out. Guy's smart, man. It's still, I mean, he's... record without Tom Brady, it's not very good. Yeah, but I think if he finds someone that can give him what he wants that's Brady-like. I, again, right. there's a big part of me that, you know, believes he made Tom Brady. Tom, Tom had to take advantage of the opportunity and make himself after a while, but in the beginning... Man, I thought it was all Bill. I, I have to tell you, you know what my favorite part of watching Tampa Bay Buccaneers games now are? Tom Brady. Well, I thought last week was pretty awesome. Tom Brady's sideline meltdowns are like a work of art. They really are. And no, thank you. I didn't think that was very awesome. Thank you very much. Why, who'd they beat? I can't remember. I knew, and the sad thing is, like, I knew that was going to, as soon as Ingram failed to get that first down, and they punted, I knew that they were screwed. (laughs) You know, when the Patriots punted with, what, eight, seven minutes to go in the game? Like, what the hell are they doing? Why are they doing this? And then, next thing you know, a couple three and outs, boom, game winner. Do you realize that's the latest Tom Brady's ever thrown a touchdown pass? Thanks, yes. Three seconds. Yes, I'm I'm aware. Daryl, I think with this, I leave it. I'll, I'll leave it at that, and look forward to talking to you after the Cincinnati game in our post game edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. And uh, I'm sure we will have a comprehensive breakdown or freakout. <laughs> Deshaun Watson's second start as a Cleveland Brown. The world is either going to be coming to an end, or the savior has arrived. So let me give you the the doomsday scenario. Baker Mayfield, my job. <laughs> no, Baker, May, Baker Mayfield, three, four touchdown passes against Vegas, over 300 yards, no picks. And then uh, you can watch on Sunday and Deshaun's throwing, you know, ground balls.
That would be the doomsday scenario. I don't even want. I don't, I don't even want to think about, let alone entertain such blasphemy. Sorry, Daryl. All right, for our amazing producer, and she truly is amazing. We appreciate everything she does. Um, and uh, I mean, I don't know what more I can say about Meredith. Thank you, Meredith. We appreciate you. Outstanding job uh, producing the show. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl. I'm Andy. Uh, We are back after the game on Sunday. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. If you want to be a part of the show, hit us up on social media at GameDayCLE on Instagram and Twitter. It's always game day in Cleveland.